Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Oh, welcome to it. Now, months ago, I was asked, do you want to be on a panel talking to people younger than you? Now, I'm used to talking to people older than me. Not that much older. Of course not, not that much older. But talk to people who maybe are interested in a creative career who share your political philosophy, number one. And uh, I said yes. And that's coming up in June. I'll be out of town on June the 7th and the 8th. But for now, I was like, well, why do I need to wait? I usually am talking to people kind of already out there in the world established. Why not talk to folks who are a little younger than me and who share, uh, hopefully as much as we can, a political philosophy? So I reached out to a young man named Luke Lemire. You are starting up, kind of the de facto president at this point, a Young Americans for Liberty over at AUM. So how are you doing, Luke? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, great. It's been a long day. I've been here since 9 this morning. Um, but it feels good, like when I settle in and it's my own gig. Uh, it feels good. And, you know, this show, you ask, you know, what's it like? I go all over the place often. We'll talk about all sorts of silly things. But I do come back. big heartbeat of what I view the world as politically is liberty is my cornerstone. And so I'm interested. Number one, let's do the basics. Like, where are you from? How would you end up in Montgomery and at AUM? What's life been like for Luke? Um, I'm originally from Calera. I lived in Daphne, Alabama, in Baldwin County. Yeah. And for like six years, then we moved back up to Calera for a while, and then I ended up at AUM uh, in Montgomery, you know, well, to attend AUM. Because it it just worked the best for not just me, but my brother as well. Their whole family had stuff related going on in Montgomery for them, for their careers or school stuff. Like, my my sister goes to school at Eastwood. My parents both teach there at Eastwood right now. So, our whole family just... And, my, you know, both me and my brother were going to go, uh, had AUM, and we're in the honors program now, so that's great. So you have one brother, one sister? Yes. That's awesome. I only have the one brother who's a little younger than me. Are you the oldest? Yes. Yeah. But not the tallest, unfortunately. Not the tallest. I'm still taller than my younger brother, yes. luckily. Not by much. We're not, we're not really judging in that regard. And so you're studying political science, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Is there a particular interest for you? Because when I, I studied political science at Auburn, and... Uh, I have, I'll fully admit there's a lot of hoops I had to jump through, a lot of prerequisites and then other just required classes where I'm like, I thought college, I could choose what I wanted and not have to do all these things. But the, So I didn't go to a lot of classes. My GPA wasn't the greatest. But things I was interested in, like 
advanced political theory, I'd get 100 because it'd actually show up. And theory was what I really loved. I loved studying different political philosophies. Uh, what's kind of gets you going in terms of political science? Is it foreign affairs or comparative politics? What is it? Um, it's more or less like I, fi- I, you know, I was always into politics since the tiniest like little stuff I got about it when I was eight of all ages when my parents were concerned about John Kerry running against Bush you know we were for Bush and you know I was limited but they kind of you know there was a lot of stuff said about Kerry that kind of freaked me out but you know, sure. like oh wow this is terrifying I hope Bush wins and you know he did and I'm like oh wow I thought the world was going to come to an end no Bush and then you know something similar like that with oh, the Obama-McCain presidential race in 2008, that's also one. But it was around 2011 and early 2012 when I really started to realize how I was into politics. Because, you know, it was, it was, you know, I had Mitt Romney running, Rick Santorum, you had Ron Paul and Newt Gingrich. You had, like, all these different factions within the GOP running, you know, like Mitt Romney being the, the establishment of the establishment, Republicans running, Gingrich being the former House Speaker running. Right. You know, he had a lot going for him in that. Rick Santorum was the, you know, fiscally liberty-minded, but, you know, socially conservative wing of the GOP. Knew, he just knew how to rally the the evangelicals. Oh, absolutely. I, or, I, I know it's Evan, but I just like saying evangelicals. <laughs> and finally you had Ron Paul, who was the libertarian. And I was actually the first time I heard of libertarians. And I'm like, what's that? And it's like, apparently it was like, oh, they're basically Republicans, just more far right. And, you know, I, I was still learning about that process. I just thought that they were just a bunch of extreme, like, anti-government guys who just want to smoke pot and... And, and, you know, wanted no government regulation, government regulation of businesses and stuff, but also were, like, extremely for abortion and same-sex marriage. And I'm like, you know, still, I, you know, I'm still a Christian all, but right. during that time, I'm just like, oh, there's a lot of like about libertarians, but there's some stuff that seems really weird. But, yeah, they're kooky. Yeah. yeah, but over time, I kind of got a better understanding of libertarians right around... Um, the the presidential election of 2016. You know, I wasn't, uh, I was not extremely pleased with both party nominees of Clinton or Trump. You and a lot of people. Yeah, and <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, I was my main guy was Rand Paul. Yeah, he was kind of like his father, but he had a more, I think, a more organized platform or strategy of running for president compared to him. Where Ron Paul was about like starting a revolution of its sort kind of get people aware where Rand would be like okay my father's kind of rallied the troops and getting has built a platform for liberty it's now my place to get in the higher chamber of congress yes to to serve and fight for liberty and the senate has is is a better like position to run for president than the congressman we haven't had a congressman elected from the from the house to the white house since 1880 with james garfield and you know but he was shot and eventually died from his wounds in 1881 you know who knows how he would have been good you know rand you know rand i liked rand because he seemed like you know he he was more to the right of a lot of republicans but 
by libertarian standards, he's a little more moderate. So he, he is. He would uh, he would have done a better job at like kind of luring people into libertarianism while holding the, the White House. But I was a little disappointed in how lack of traction he got when he ran. That was I weird. think he he stumbled out of the gate, and I, I agree with kind of your. Uh, your take on Ron versus Rand Paul, father and son. Ron Paul always struck me uh, as a, a button pusher kind of abolitionist. And by button pusher, I think Leonard Reed wrote this great essay saying if you could push the button and remove all invasions and restrictions on natural liberty, uh, would you push that button? And some people have answered, I would blister my thumb mashing that button and pushing it. Um, and I think Ron presented his ideas knowing, well, this is not going to realistically happen. I think he's even said when he ran his presidential campaigns that, thank God he didn't win. Uh, why would you want to punish me in that way? Uh, whereas Rand does strike me as more of the moderate but still the most radical probably in the Congress, along with people like Justin Amash and Thomas Massey. Uh, and the Senate is a better platform. It is a much... You, because, well, Rand's still in the news. He'll probably be putting the screws to Gina Haspel, this new nominee for the CIA director over waterboarding. And you can filibuster. You can create a, a, a movement in that way. But he, Rand did stumble out of the gate. I don't know what exactly happened. In a lot of the TV interviews, he went wrong... And I don't think anybody was prepared for uh, the style of campaigning Donald Trump would go on to uh, ultimately win with. But I, I kind of want to get back to you. So it was mainly Ron Paul that kind of lured you in. It sounds like you grew up in a fairly Christian conservative household. Yeah, that's correct. And you know, I still hold a lot of those values still today. But, you know, I just learned about what libertarians were just by the name of Ron Paul. I was still... And actually, our family supported Santorum, and he dropped out, and so the Gingrich, and then we're like, for, for some weird reason, I don't know why, Ron, it was still like Romney and Ron Paul, and I thought there was going to be some, like, race, because, you know, I would have supported Ron Paul, but then it's like the media was acting like Romney had basically won the whole thing. Oh, sure. Because, right. you know, it's like, and it also, it also gets me thinking is that with... The media, they seem to, if they want a candidate to lose, they won't focus on that candidate. Because look, Donald Trump's president. That if that if they were trying to make someone lose uh, a, a nomination or the presidency, they wouldn't give them attention like they did Trump. They would neglect them and kind of put them, kind of make them look not important. That's what happened to Ron Paul, and that's what happened to Rand Paul. And if and I think the lesson to learn that is if, you ha if you're going to get yourself attention as a candidate running for president, sometimes you might have to say stuff that might be controversial or might grab people's attention. Exactly. Heck, Kasich, who the heck was that guy? It's like <laughs> he somehow ended up being losing in third place. But what he did was he kind of ran on being this, you know, not – I wouldn't say he was, like, a liberal, but I definitely would not say he was your traditional woman-to-government conservative. Nope. I mean, he was definitely a lot of areas where we could get along you know, some fiscally conservative, but he was more definitely a moderate and, like, old-school, like, northeastern Republican. But because he's – what got his attention was 
What got him attention was saying that he was will he was open to expanding Medicare and Medicaid through Obamacare in the right. state of Ohio, and that's what got him attention as a candidate. Well, Kasich seemed like a, especially as libertarians might put it, a, a true moderate. He wants a big welfare state and warfare state, um, and I think that's uh, happened a lot throughout U.S. history. Kind of the person in the middle gives everybody candy. Everybody gets a cut of, of the pie. Um, I'm interested, though, in that you still hold your personal views from your background, how your family raised you. Um, and you mentioned when you first heard Ron Paul, you're like, who are these libertarians, these gun-toting, pot-smoking, heavily anti-government people that believe in abortion and same-sex marriage? And I mean, it, and I imagine there are some things... Because libertarians, people I don't think realize, are a broad and diverse group. Oh, absolutely. I've learned that. And I was getting to that. Like, when Paul dropped out, my next option was Ted Cruz. Now, though he might not be the most – he's definitely a liberty guy, but not the most he, – he's still conservative in a lot of areas and yes. might have said some things that might have hurt him. But, you know, what's crazy about Cruz is he was getting people who hated him like uh, – What's his name from South Carolina? Um, Lindsey Graham. Oh, Lindsey, yeah. Yes, it's like when you know when Lindsey Graham is endorsing Ted Cruz for president, you know something's up. Like Donald the, Trump. The, it's like <laughs> the, that was desperation, and then the thing is, Kasich wouldn't drop out, and there was a, there was a, supposed to be a strategy where uh, Cruz would ha handle all the more southern um, and southwestern states that would most likely support him, while uh, Kasich laid back but while in the northeast and some of the midwest Kasich would like try to get lure voters to him from Cruz while Cruz would lay back that way they could undermine Trump but then Cruz lost Indiana he drops out and I'm like well here it goes Kasich 2016 and then Kasich <laughs> drops out later the next day when there's still time and Trump wins by default and I'm like what do I do now? I have no political home. Yep. Then I learned of a man by the name of Austin Peterson, who was running for the Libertarian Party race in 2016. I actually used to write for his website, The Libertarian Republic. Yeah, I know. It's like Austin really like helped me understand libertarianism a lot better. What appealed to me is that not only was he libertarian, but he took the he took a libertarian view on abortion, like the pro-life stance, you know, protecting all life and such, and that really helped me become more confident in supporting someone like him, and then I learned more stuff, like, helps me understand about, you know, you know, limited, more about limited government and less taxation, and even to the stance of taxation is theft, and, you know, when most people hear that, that sounds terrifying to them like even to me that sounded like that's a little extreme now it's like isn't taxes there is 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 the is the consequence we face as like as a society because people are selfish and, right you know even if you don't believe that to a hundred percent i think you can acknowledge that as a society we become too dependent on coercion and exhortation through taxation where every little thing has to be taxed and yes it's like and it's kind of scary when our politicians are viewed as being successful when, like, what government programs do they propose to support society? Like, why not encourage our citizens to take action without government intervening? Like, encouraging citizens to be responsible for others without having to always have to 
tax the heck out of them and such. Right, and I, I, I would certainly, and I'd still make the case uh, that the income tax, even though it passed as an amendment, uh, I think the income tax is theft. The idea that you can, you your earnings, your personal earnings are owed um, every year. It, it feels like theft every, well, I always file an extension in October, uh, not in April. But, I, I, you know, it's one thing to say, I don't feel as bad about taxes when it's a use tax. Like, okay, here's this road. I know the old libertarian joke. Everybody, it's happened to me, man. When I say I'm a libertarian, non-libertarians say, well, what do we do about the roads? It's like, you didn't ask me a difficult question like national defense. You didn't ask me, like, very complex questions like the abortion issue, which I think is probably, it divides everybody. Yeah. And, and even in the libertarian camp, that is a, that's a deep moral question uh, that I think goes beyond just political philosophy. But it's always the roads. Like, wait, you're you're telling me that private developers land developers, whether it's commercial or residential, would develop a certain area and then realize, oh, crap, we forgot to build roads to these places. And I'd imagine people, businesses would pay in, be kind of the cost of doing business to have a road to get where they're going. Um, so I, that's interesting that Austin Peterson is the guy that led you, because Austin does have, I think, culturally more of a conservative bent to him. Um, and I think there that's one thing i hear from a lot of conservatives and i'm sure you hear it too now that you're coming to the philosophy of liberty is that they do worry about the social issues because they have deeply held beliefs but and the one that is the sticking point is the abortion issue but on say same-sex marriage like i can disagree with it i personally don't but i you can one can disagree with it um, from a moral point of view, a religious point of view, and still go, well, why is the government licensing marriage to begin with? Oh, yeah, it's like that was the first mistake to begin with. Like when you have to get government license to marry, marry someone you love, that is a huge problem. It really is. And so you've now kind of started to take action. This is pretty new. Uh, in the last few weeks, you're trying to start up a chapter for Young Americans for Liberty. Correct. At AUM, how is that process going? I'm, I'm, I've did a little bit of that at Auburn. It's always slow at the beginning, but um, yeah, I started. You know, like in April, it was pretty late, and I met some of the people. Like, I first met the state represent or state coordinator, hmm. I think, yes. and uh, she, she was pretty helpful with starting up the chapter. And then I talked to this other guy who's like the I don't know sure if I should say their names for you can say um we're an open book here okay okay um I'm gonna hope I don't get like any I guess it's fine I'm, unless they did something like, to you <laughs> the state the state coordinator Carly Lloyd she was very helpful in helping me set up the the, the page and she or, yeah I think she yeah she was the one and she uh we kind of had this similar conversation about what led me to libertarianism yeah. and and uh, you know she 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 managed, she was in the same boat when uh, Trump became a nominee and she felt politically homeless as well, and it was kind of cool having that moment of relation finding someone of like minded as myself, and she helped me set up the the chapter page on Young Americans for Liberty, and then I met this other guy named Andrew, I think his name was D. D. Giovanni or something. He was like the southeastern coordinator yeah. and. He helped, and he was helpful too in setting up. And you know, we just got to know each other, and 
he sent me like a this it was like this kit that yeah, yeah. that like it was like bring our troops home and such and it was about talking about how there's like this big military industrial complex that's because that's kind of overtook in our military and foreign affairs to where it's like we've become way too dependent on that you want to talk about big government big a big military is also a form of big government if there's one thing you know i want a strong military to defend ourselves you know that's the closest to maybe big government i get but the military is gotten too broad into foreign affairs to where at the same time it almost seems like if we try to reduce that we face backlash for creating a vacuum with more like terrorist action like what happened when we pull out of um, Iraq in like a few years ago which was also actually initiated like planned by the Bush administration which the Obama administration uh, took uh, uh, executed but then the vacuum created ISIS oh yeah and then you know how that led now we are now apparently we're like military wise like destroying ISIS but the problem of ISIS is they're really social media savvy and they could like pop up in places they never set foot in but you know ideas don't need feet they just need to be spread through verbal communication that we have with the internet and Facebook and YouTube and Okay, where was I going with this military stuff? Well, just uh, kind of how you... You kind of felt like there were people without a political home, at, like yourself, maybe your age. And it's like, well, let's start a group. And that's what's amazing. I've talked to people from Young Americans for Liberty. Y-A-L. Y'all. Yeah. really worked. Y'all. I like to say y'all because we're, you know, down here in yeah, the south. Yeah, but it has the two L's. Uh, and then I've, all, I mean, I've talked to people from SFL, Students for Liberty. I've, uh, I'm, the conference I go into that I was talking about at the top of the show is, or FEE, the Foundation for Economic Education. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've written for them, and I, I'm very happy, excited to be on a panel, kind of talking about getting a start in, in life in a creative career and it's amazing the amount of groups out there that are looking for uh, young people like yourself who are kind of getting their start in life, realizing, you know, it's not like I think, well, I, I don't want to speak for you. My point of view when it came to Trump and Hillary, I didn't like either of them. I told this audience way before, even when Rand Paul was running, I like Rand Paul a lot. Everything you said I agree with earlier. But... I took a vow of political celibacy on purpose. It's like, I kind of want to be like the two old men in the Muppet show. It's like, I, I don't like what I see, but I'm here because I love y'all anyway. And I think more people in media should kind of take that um, neutered stance when it comes to voting and being engaged in the political process while still holding your ideals. That's generally where I'm coming from. So it's really cool to see the amount of opportunity out there for people to connect now. Um, the Internet's providing that in these organizations. Uh, YAL is one of a, a great one. And I think it's uh, it's one that, I don't know, it reminds me of like Tom Woods, his podcast I listen to a lot. Have you ever heard of him? I have not. I would, I've got a lot of books I want to throw your way. But guys like Tom Woods, he has a great podcast that's done every day of the week. Um, there's a lot going on in my head right now because uh, it's like 
Good. It's a young libertarian right across from me. Now I'm gonna like creep you out. That's actually my goal. Uh, no, not at all. I actually might end up doing that to you instead. <laughs> no, no, there's no creepiness here. This is Good. just. Uh, well, that would be par for the course for this show, sir. Yeah, it's like awkwardness a, is great. Yeah, I don't want to scare all our viewers away. <laughs> Probably too late now, though. <laughs> well, we got to hit a quick break here. Um, again, we're talking to Luke Lemire. He is the de facto president for the Young Americans for Liberty chapter at AUM. If folks are interested, just hit you up on Facebook or if they're around the campus, I'm sure they can find you. Yes. And uh, and before we hit this break, though, I want to tell folks about my other good friend. I'm probably going to try to go out in the town with him or during the day, uh, Saturday. His name is Eddie Bader. He's with the Goodson Group. Um, and Eddie told me that, you know, he was in another job, and he started investing, buying uh, properties that he would rent out. And he was doing really well with it. And he realized, I'm doing so well with this. Why not go to real estate school? It's a great success story. And he's been able to not only make this work for himself. Obviously, that's why you do a lot of things in life. But the other key part of life is doing things for others. And Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is the guy that can help you out. So whether you're a first-time home buyer like myself, maybe a little scared and ignorant of the process, how much is this going to cost up front? How much will it cost with monthly payments? How do I set all this self up? Uh, set myself up in this regard? Or Eddie has a lot of experience with active or especially retired military. If you are a retired military member, and he has gone through the process. Eddie Bader knows how to go through the process to get you your 0% down, VA benefits, these sort of things. I might be a big libertarian, but if you serve the country, you deserve what you're owed. So if you're at all interested in buying or selling a home, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. 322-0662. 322-0662. Coming back, we're going to continue to chat with Luke. Might get in some like, libertarian weirdness. Some of the, I, I'd imagine... You've have you peered into that world at all online? Like the craziness of what people call the liberty movement, so to speak. How diverse it is, because it really is. Like we're two Alabama boys here. I'm born and raised in Montgomery too. And you look beyond here. The fact of what a libertarian can be is so diverse. I think is a testament to what the philosophy can provide us. I really do. So coming back, we'll continue to talk to Luke. That and other topics, and if you want to join on the conversation, 272-9228. Joey Clark. Fair, we were talking kind of politics, shop, and these Senate primaries. Uh, but I got to be straightforward with you, Luke. I, after going through several election cycles, midterms and presidentials, uh, I'm a little burnt out on politics. Like, I still care about the direction, um, but it's, I don't know. It, I, I realized what I can do is focus on myself and those directly around me. 
And number one, before I ever try to win a political argument with them, because I definitely can be fairly pig-headed about things, and I, on certain days, lean towards the uh, anarchist bent of uh, libertarianism, though I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. It's just, it's beautiful to me in a, a philosophical way. But I've learned that's not as important as before you try to win an argument with somebody you're talking to, get to know them, understand them, and find common bonds beyond the po- politics of the matter. And then once you do that, it makes the arguments over politics probably more fruitful. I mean, have you have you found any kind of pushback when you talk to people who maybe differ from you politically? I mean, obviously you've probably found pushback. Um, so far, you know, I might have had a few internet stuff go go down. Like, it, it's like. I don't, you know, I don't always discuss politics with people. I end up talking with my like brother and family about it, and I end up counting like, a lot of people who generally agree. But you know, I've gotten into the taxation as that argument before, but it was with other people who were moderate to right leaning, who were generally on the side of taxes. Right. And then, but I think the closest there was some pushback I ever got. It wasn't even about like entirely about taxes. I was on the internet and. There was this, you know, the guy I knew on the speech speech team at Jeff State who definitely was more to the left, if not even admitted that he was closer to communism. Right. He, it wasn't, but it wasn't him that was like he, he was well respect, respectful and really chill, non confrontational guy. Like not all of people who hold left wing views are aggressive no. anti members, of course, which is honestly encouraging. And then, but there was this one dude who was just like really like felt like because he was passionate about what he believed that he had he had earned the right to be a jerk and such and he was like kind of bashing like oh america is terrible because we don't have like single payer universal health care and i type in well my personal opinion i which is the first warning of never saying my personal opinion on (laughs) facebook um i said i think we should have like a uh, we should try to do help others by more volunteeristic means because government fails and they can be inefficient and then he responds like that is the most effing stupid thing I've ever heard <laughs> and like you, know, like you can and and he's like, you, and like and he just like was insulting me and he like you can like you can like go to heck and such and right. I was just like um uh, it's amazing I've been it's a common topic on this show and it happens, obviously, when it comes to politics. It happens with re- religious debates, too. Um, it happens with a few other things. Sometimes people just get heated over, say, like, comic book movies. Like, unpopular opinion, Infinity War wasn't good. I think it was amazing. I've seen it three times. Yeah. But uh, maybe, what's your take on this, like, the social media aspect of things? Like, I have never had somebody, like, to my face. Like, what, how you and I are talking right now start yelling at me in a cruel way, dropping F-bombs and just being rude. But online, if you put your opinion out there, like you said, it's bound to happen. I, and I don't think it's a generational thing. I think a lot of people fool themselves. Because I know people in their 50s and 60s who are saying this crap. And it's maybe it's if you're not face-to-face. I don't know. Like, I think it's like people, when they're online... It just brings out the worst because they feel like they're they have the security behind the screen and the keyboard, and when they have that, it's like they're gonna 
throw out all their punches possible and and maybe sometimes we misinterpret their tone because we don't can't hear it so maybe it might come off as rude and maybe hateful when really they weren't it just is to us because sometimes when we hear views that differ from ours we like our minds will automatically make it seem more harsh and condescending because it's against what we stand for and not for our so because we've kind of created a mindset where if people believe stuff differently then there's something wrong with them they're uneducated and they're hateful human beings right and to try to be open-minded about what others believe and try to get find the the reason behind it would undermine they feel would undermine their position because you're giving because you're giving them an inch and they fear if they give the other side an inch they'll just take a mile right well and i've you know, i've seen that happen i've learned to just take the punches and it's like well great you you're saying things to me online while i'm trying to live the rest of my day and my life um, fair enough i i've kind of i find arguing back and forth silly and i've been as guilty as other folks uh, i went through my so-called sophomore phase of i'm right and I'm part of the pure and chosen few, and all the rest are damned. Um, it's a great old line. There's room enough in hell for you. We don't want heaven crammed. Um, and there is this mentality out there of uh, we're part of the, the correct way. I've seen it in libertarianism. I've seen it with conservatives. I've seen it with so-called liberals or progressives. Um, where I, Politics should not become a replacement for like one's deeper values in my point of view that if one has a strong faith or a strong worldview hold more to that and don't let the political ideals politics come second after things like ethical philosophy and religious views in my point of view i mean i think it, it completely does and i mean i look though i mentioned this before the break at like libertarianism it's so cool to me that's the word i want to use cool that Libertarians from Alabama will mostly be kind of culturally conservative. A few won't. I'm a bit strange as a libertarian, though I was raised in a mostly conservative household, raised Catholic, so maybe, well, in some Christians' eyes, I'm, I wasn't raised a Christian. Who knows? <laughs> um, but if a libertarian, say, is raised in Los Angeles, California, they're going to probably have a more of a left-wing cultural point of view. And yet that Alabama libertarian and that Los Angeles libertarian can pretty much agree on, politically speaking, what you need to agree on. And the one exception we've mentioned before is the abortion debate. Then I don't want to get into that tonight. It's a deep, profound question. Uh, But it's amazing, is it not, that you could probably meet somebody, say, at a conference for young Americans for Liberty and meet all these people from all these diverse backgrounds, but they all agree on some basic principles. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like, it used to be like, you know, the division between people's uh, political philosophy was like between North and South. Now it's, then it's, now it's gone from urban to rural, Mm -hmm. but you have all these pockets of people online because of the, you know, the social media is is a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because anyone can share their views openly. And it's a curse because anyone can share their views openly. <laughs> and it kind of create it, it. Heck, I think we've is we're simultaneously urban versus rural, but we're also just like all over the place now with political views. And like it's like 
though Alabama is definitely a hardcore red state right now, it's like it was back in the day when, you know, the political party, you know, political parties have gone through multiple different like transitions and yep. and the change their stances and all that stuff like it's like you really can't ignore that that South used to be Democrats, but they're not like today's Democrats at all. No. Dixiecrats. And, you know, it used to be pr- pretty much in Al- Alabama, it was, you know, there, and I've heard some, like, I feel like I've been hearing some disingenuous uh, lies from both sides about the whole party switch. The right will tell you it never happened. The left will say that all Republicans used to be left-wing and all <laughs> Democrats left-wing. I mean... The truth is, there is a mix of both conservative and liberal Democrats, conservative and liberal Republicans. And the South definitely was the more conservative-leaning, definitely. But, you know, it almost seemed like it was unanimously conservative, too. But nowadays, you now Republicans are in charge, though it's the majority, there are still good hands of liberals. I mean, go on L.com's Facebook page, which is a complete cancerous... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the comment section, oh. stay away. It's not as bad as YouTube comment sections, but I've read Ale.com's comment sections. It's, like it's, it's like the the left wing in Alabama is like the angsty teenager in high school who only listens to like <laughs> punk rock, but is forced to be around all the kids who like pop music and hip hop, and they just can no longer handle being the minority. Because, they, yeah, they're marginalized, they're and they mar- have to fight even yeah, harder. Yeah, it's like they're... they're it's like they were tired, and I wasn't surprised when Doug Jones was able to pull out against Roy Moore, even at the percentage he did. I had a feeling, I just knew that Doug Jones could pull it off. Well, and the, re- the way Roy Moore handled that whole situation, I, I think he handled it without grace. Um, oh, no. And, you know, my big solution, I think, this is what I mean by being burned out on politics. My roommates at the time asked me, have I ever watched Mamma Mia? Yes, the movie musical with Meryl Streep. Yeah. I'm like, no, I haven't. Is this some kind of trick? I'm like, no, let's watch Mamma Mia. So I watched it. Abba's not bad. Or Abba, however you say the damn name. And uh, I said, here's how we bury the hatchet. We'll have Roy Moore and Doug Jones. They'll get together, not for a forum, not for a debate, not for an insult off, but they will do a two-man show taking some music from Mamma Mia. And we'll just we'll bring everybody together. It's just silly season over here, Luke. I, I don't know. I, I think the state of Alabama, for the longest time, has been kind of a one-party state. Like, you either have one big party in power for a long time was Democrats, not switched over to Republicans. But I think also the social media world is creating this cultural upheaval where people like yourself are going, well... I don't really feel like I have a home. And I think for all the folks who are very confident on, say, AL.com comment sections or folks who call in to talk radio with their conservative opinions saying Trump on and we love President Trump, there are a lot of people out there in this country and a lot of people hopefully listening right now who are in this place where they don't really know, like, politically where their home is. They might know they have a few beliefs and what they personally believe in, but they don't see how that jives with the political parties. And that's exactly what you're uh, trying to do. So do you feel like uh, Young Americans for Liberty really has, you said they gave you the packages and materials, um, they're really helping you out, kind of get started? Oh, yeah, but back with the package, you know, with the bring our troops home, I feel like that's a great, like, first start to for AUM. 
to introduce people about Young Americans for Liberty, but also some of of a uh, Young Americans for Liberty's philosophy. What great about what's great about Young Americans for Liberty is we're not partisan. We're ideological, but we also have it set up where libertarians, where you know, this is where they get confused for moderates because they'll fiscally conservative, social liberal. No, we just have we just have stances that some conservatives will like and some liberals will like, and we can kind of create a kind of like organization on campus that can get people realizing that they can be that they're more libertarian than they realize. We have to remember that when people, a lot of people who hold more status stances on the role of government in society it's not entirely their fault they hold that because they learned probably from their family their friends their teachers and it's not their uh community's fault either it's kind of been passed down like their teacher got from their teacher who got from their teacher from their family members other it's kind of like it's kind of been deeply ingrained and the reason we just can't go to a fully voluntary based society overnight is because people are taught that oh if we just stop paying taxes then we will everything will collapse and it will be mass anarchy and children will starve Mm -hmm. um and you know i think the the point is of like i want to start with it's it's a good idea to start with the one referring to the military industrial complex is because young people and americans are just tired of war and we must show that like we have there's this little like chart thing that shows what it like you spin it it kind of like will of fortune in whatever country it lands on it says this is the country you're going to go to war to <laughs> it also talks about how there are people this year who were born at when 9-11 happened who are going into the military to fight wow. the same war yeah. In Afghanistan, yeah. Yeah, that's remarkable. I'm tired of war. I just can we go fight in a different country this time or something? <laughs> but you know, it's like let's go and let's go invade them. But the point is, is like we wish that we can support our troops by focusing on like, um, like after they get home from the war, like support them by bringing them home and like helping them readjust to society because yeah. PTSD happens because from all the stress they go on and it's like they're always in the fight of the enemy can be around any second and then and they're basically reliving it when they come home and it hurts not just themselves but it hurts their spouse their children the rest of their family and you know the suicide rate's really high for our veterans and Very tragically so it's yes. tra- like it's like these guys should be like should have some type of rewarding feature after they've come back from a battle not like have something worse something worse they could possibly imagine after leaving something they thought that could not get worse than what they just went through and you know veteran you know the veteran, veterans affairs you know i don't know everything about it i just know that it is a complete dumpster fire right now yes well and uh, luca we're pretty nearly out of time mm-hmm. and i just want to let you know that if there's anything i can do to help with uh, the group at aum oh thank you so much um, i would be happy to help and i personally and this is just my own approach hope libertarians because they do speak like when you mentioned the military industrial complex i think there are people on the so-called left and the so-called right these days who perk up and go yeah that's absolutely right i mean what do people who support trump talk about all day the deep state I mean, I, I'm still looking for those anti-war 
when W was in office, uh, Democrats, and they're still out there. Uh, and that's just one example. I think there are a lot of issues where libertarians can serve a fantastic role to start a conversation and build a coalition of people that might not always get along and agree, but we kind of go, oh, even though we don't agree on everything in the world, that's not our job. Our job is to find the basic things that hold us together as a right. group. And so uh, I wish you the best of luck with everything you're doing. Like, you just started this. Yes. Um, and so, again, anything I can do to help you out, let me know, man. I'll definitely let you know. Yeah. I'm only one message away on the Book of Faces. So, uh, again, folks, this has been Luke Lemire. He is uh, the de facto president of Young Americans for Liberty over at AUM. Um, you can find him on Facebook, right? That's correct. And so if uh, you maybe have a child out there, well, a young adult, my goodness, what is happening to me? I'm hanging out with people older than me. Now I start to feel old, man. I'm like 29 going on 55. But uh, we'll figure it out. And I guess this is just the beginning, Luke. Just oh, the beginning. definitely the beginning. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening tomorrow night. I think Mr. Spotlow will be here. I might even have Brandon stop by. It'll just be a silly free-for-all, whatever comes up. Thank you for listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Talk to you all tomorrow night. Ta-ta.